1974 was probably a big year for 14-year-old Margaret Ellen Fox. A devout Catholic, she likely had her confirmation that year, becoming an adult in the eyes of her church. In June, she graduated from the eighth grade and managed to find a first job, where she'd make some pocket money and pass the time before her first year of high school. We don't really know how Margaret felt about any of this, though, beyond what others can say. Because Margaret disappeared on June 24, 1974. No one in her family has seen her since that Monday morning, when her then 11-year-old brother Joe walked her to a bus stop near their Burlington City home and waited there with her until she boarded. Oh yeah, she was excited, you know. There was definitely no, you know, there was definitely no even an inkling, you know, of, that she was running away, you know. Just wasn't, you know, just wasn't what it was happening. That was Joe Fox speaking in 2017. He, like so many others, just wants to know what happened to his sister who set out that morning for a babysitting job in Mount Holly, New Jersey, about 20 minutes from her hometown by bus. She would be babysitting the five-year-old son of a man who said he was a Mount Holly resident and called himself John Marshall. He planned to pick Margaret up in Mount Holly in a red Volkswagen Beetle and take her to his home. That was 43 years ago. On the bus, Margaret sat in front of a mother and her baby, who pulled on the young girl's long, dark brown hair. Margaret turned around to smile at the child and chat with the mother, according to the woman's later statements to police. She had smiley eyes, the woman said of Margaret, like someone that was happy. That same woman saw the petite, pale girl with many freckles get off the bus at the High and Mill Street stop. The woman from the bus then saw her talking with a 20-something man who drove a red car. Investigators now say she was probably looking for Marshall. That man was found, investigated, and cleared of any involvement in Margaret's disappearance but he was one of the last people to see her. After that, she was gone, but she's never been forgotten. From the Burlington County Times, this is 43 Years Gone. I'm Lisa Ryan. But this is the one case over the 40 some years um, that has haunted, what I could describe as haunted this case, haunted this department um, and this detective bureau where people have retired and you know, you listen to you know, Chief McConnell who was a local Burlington person, who was a Burlington officer, became chief of detectives. And one of the last things he said before he passed away was, the only thing I regret in life is not solving that Margaret Fox case. That was Burlington City Police Captain John Fine. When he was a detective, he was assigned to Margaret's case, as someone in the department always is. Margaret's case remains open today and comes up for review periodically, according to Fine. Investigators also chase down leads and tips when those arise, but they've become fewer and further between as decades pass. Each detective in Burlington City gets over probably 100 cases a year. So they work very hard here in Burlington City with a lot of other criminal cases. So the Margaret Fox case, um, even though it's an active case, we don't, you know, the, the timing is sometimes really constricted because of the amount of other cases the detectives are getting. As a retired Willingboro detective, Michael D'Alessio has only Margaret's case on his plate. In retirement, he wanted to stay active and use his law enforcement training to help others, so he began offering different police departments his services as a volunteer. When he talked to Fine, the captain realized immediately that D'Alessio could provide a fresh perspective on Margaret's case. But to bring someone new that's not from Burlington, that doesn't know the family, that will have an unbiased opinion but we could just look at the fact pattern and say, you know D'Alessio what? spends a few hours each week analyzing the case, working to undo the damage of 1970s law enforcement culture and, he hopes, help original, past, and present investigators bring closure to the Fox family. To understand Margaret's case and where it stands today, 
you first have to understand where it all started. By all accounts, Burlington City was a safe place in 1974. People kept their doors unlocked, and they knew their neighbors. The latter wasn't so great if you were a kid, according to Joe Fox. He laughed, recalling how, in his family's tight-knit neighborhood, a kid couldn't get away with any sort of mischief without their parents finding out. The family's church was just blocks away from their home, a row home situated snugly between the neighbors. The Foxes regularly attended Mass as a family, as well. When what you know and what you're used to is a close family, a Catholic school with 60-some kids per grade, and neighbors who look out for you and yours, it must be hard to imagine that the worst could happen not half an hour from your home. In 1974, the tragedies that led to mandatory sex offender registries, Amber Alerts, and children's faces on milk cartons hadn't happened yet. There wasn't the same awareness of child abduction then as there is today. Now we have helicopter parents and latchkey kids. Some children carry cell phones, and as scary as those can be for parents, they also provide a lifeline. If Margaret felt in her gut that something was wrong on June 24th, the only way to contact her parents was by payphone. And when law enforcement began looking for her, they didn't have a cell phone to track or even surveillance footage from a bus or a Mount Holly storefront. They had to go by witnesses' accounts, notes Margaret left about her plans, and what her family had to say about what she was like. She had no boyfriends and a few girlfriends, her mother, Mary Fox, told the Burlington County Times in 1975. She liked to cook and move the furniture around in her room. Based on descriptions like that from Margaret's parents and the fact that she had never had any run-ins with local law enforcement, never made trouble, investigators were able to quickly determine that she was an unlikely runaway. Joe Fox and his siblings, Margaret included, stayed active, sledding and ice skating in the winter and spending summers in seaside or in the family's backyard pool. Margaret was a tomboy, and Joe Fox said she could hold her own among four brothers. Like most 14-year-olds, she was trying to figure out where she fit in and who she wanted to be. She was, she was struggling, you know, with four brothers and everything <laughs> and trying to find her identity and, you know, and that's what she wanted, you know, was to go babysit, you know, or make money so she could buy clothes and do stuff and, you know, and uh, it just got to the point, you know, where my dad really didn't have much to say. He had a, did whatever he could to... Yeah, talk to the people, and you know, it was at a point she was 14, and she was gonna go babysit, or she was gonna do something, you know. Yeah. You know, and it, she was at that age that, mm -hmm. you know, she was kind of breaking free or whatever. Back then, Joe said, a teenager couldn't find a job as easily as they can today. It was a paper route, babysitting, or nothing, and people didn't go out as much, so the babysitting opportunities were scant, at least as far as he remembers. Nevertheless, Margaret and her cousin decided to try their luck at landing work. On June 19, 1974, Margaret's cousin placed an ad in the Burlington County Times promoting the girls' experienced babysitters available weekdays from early morning through the afternoon. They had at least one taker the first day, a man who called himself John Marshall and tried to hire Margaret's cousin to watch his five-year-old son. The cousin wasn't allowed to work outside of Burlington City, so she turned him down and Margaret got the job. Marshall originally asked Margaret to start babysitting on June 21st, but called to cancel the next day, saying there was a death in the family and he had to go out of town. Margaret couldn't come to the phone for this call, but that gave David Fox an opportunity to speak with Marshall. The details of their call, along with notes Margaret left by the phone, would later play a role in the investigation into her disappearance. Marshall called for the final time two days later, again reaching David Fox, and telling him Margaret could start work on June 24th. One of the notes Margaret left by the phone says she'll be back around 2 or 2.30 on Monday afternoon, and that Marshall or his wife will drive her home. 
Another note is scrawled in all caps and reads, Jim, wake Margaret up, with multiple exclamation points. And that struck me, just because it was so mundane, so normal, and the Fox family's life would quickly become anything but. The Fox kids had protective parents, according to Joe, and although they told the Burlington County Times in 1975 that they wanted to give Margaret a bit of the independence she craved, David and Mary Fox didn't just hand their daughter bus fare and wave goodbye. Many of the notes Margaret took as she spoke with Marshall appear to be for her parents as much as for herself. Not for one minute did I think something like this would happen, David Fox told the BCT in 1975. The family discussed it, and I gave my consent. In the end, Margaret's parents couldn't predict what they couldn't imagine, and it would haunt them. Protected before, before I yeah, can imagine. No, and, and then, then just, just never slept. Slept. So yeah. It didn't matter when you were coming in, in and what age you were. He was yeah. awake, you know. He couldn't sleep, you know. Broke, you know, broke yeah, David and Mary Fox had told their daughter to call home when she reached Marshall's house so they knew she'd arrive safely to her first day of work. That call never came. When they tried the number Marshall had given Margaret, it connected them to a payphone outside of a grocery store in Lumberton, not far from Mount Holly. Their panic really set in around 4.30 or 5 o'clock, Joe Fox said. No one had heard from Margaret all day or been able to reach her, and by that point, she was several hours late getting home. David Fox drove out to Mount Holly with a friend from the East Hampton Police Department who helped him look for Margaret. Back in Burlington City, Joe Fox said, the whole neighborhood was searching for the girl, something they had never had to do before. David Fox filed a missing person report with the Burlington City Police as soon as he could. In 1974, that meant a little after midnight. From there, the investigation began. More on that next week on 43 Years Gone. 43 Years Gone was reported by Lisa Ryan, edited by Danielle Camilli and Mario Constantino, and produced by Audrey Harvin. David Levinsky assisted with reporting. The music used in the show comes from Joni Mitchell's Down to You. Anyone with information on the whereabouts of Margaret Fox is asked to call the Burlington City Police Department at 609-386-0262. They can ask to speak to the Detectives Bureau. Mike D'Alessio can be reached at mikedalessio at hotmail.com. D'Alessio is spelled D-A-L-E-S-I-O. To contact the Burlington County Times, call News Director Danielle Camilli at 609-871-8077. Thank you for listening.